express that encouragement through song and instrumental encouraging our hearts to trust in our Lord. This is always a, a unique time to have that first Sunday of the year, but especially when it's the first day of the year, as we have today, and uh, to have opportunity by the Lord's design to speak into our, our, our minds a little bit about the direction of this year. Uh, you know, I've heard it, it might be a sobering thing for us to, uh, to evaluate our, our life, our year, as if this is it. What if this is not just the beginning of a new year? What if this is the beginning of eternity? And we go before God as we look at this year and we present this year to him. And that kind of adds a whole other level to it, doesn't it? Uh, just to say, how, how does this year look before God as I have no more opportunity to live another day? And that's probably a fairly safe thing to do if you think about it because there is no promise of tomorrow. Let's look at that today and consider this past year, how do we present it before God? This is it. It's done. I've heard said that it's not just age that makes you wise. It's examined age. It's not just experience, but it's examined experience that can make you wise. If you never take time to evaluate how you've lived, then you don't learn. And you're doomed to repeat some of the same mistakes. And so it's with this thought in mind that... um, I, I'd like to do something a little different than what I normally do. Um, I, would, I will bring us to the text, the Word of God, because I'm convinced you don't need my opinion. Um, everybody's got an opinion. Uh, but I do want to bring to you to the Word of God. And so with that thought in mind, I'm going to ask that you turn your Bibles to Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms 146. We're going to look at Psalm 146 and a portion of Psalm 147. And want to... Bring some things of, uh, to our thoughts of just thanksgiving to God from this past year, as well as to share some direction uh, for the year to come, as much as the Lord may allow me to do something like that. And so Psalm 146, uh, you know, you're toward the end of the book of Psalms there, you've got Psalm 150 and then, then you're it, that, that's it, you're finished. And uh, it, what's significant about these Psalms is it all begin and end the same way. Uh, if you notice the first verse, praise the Lord. Again, as you look at verse 10, praise the Lord. Verse uh, 1, Psalm 147, praise the Lord. Verse 20, praise the Lord. Psalm 148, praise the Lord. Verse 14, praise the Lord. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Verse 9, praise the Lord. And Psalm 150, in case we're a little hard of learning, it's repeated in every verse. Praise the Lord. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Verse 6, praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I think that's a wonderful way to transition a year. Uh, that's how Psalm ends. It actually encapsulates the theme of the book. Um, and as well, as we've sung about, the Bible itself. Uh, as we get to the end and we see in Revelation, as we've sung 
Uh, it is about the praising of the Lord. And when Jesus prays and teaches us to pray, as it is done in heaven, let it be done on earth, we read in heaven that it is all about the praises of the Lord. And so as we become heavily minded, as we become spiritually dominated by the word of God, it's no wonder that we start praising God more. And so with that thought, I think it's a wonderful way to look at this year. And uh, let's start by, by standing and reading the word of God. Uh, as we read Psalm 146, verse, all the way, that cha- entire chapter. And I think maybe to verse 11 of Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord, and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and in those who hope in his steadfast love. You may be seated. I would first have you note, as we read verse 1 and 2, I want you to consider the psalmist here. We're not exactly sure who it is that is writing this, but we do know who he's writing to. He tells us who he is writing to, and he's just kind of letting us listen in. You see in verse 1, who is he talking to? He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. And here you've got a psalm. Of someone who is kind of having exercise with his own heart, with his own life. I would just present to you that as a believer in Jesus Christ, it is good and right for you to talk to yourself from time to time. In fact, it's been said that the first sign of insanity for a believer is when they stop talking to themselves. All right? Why? Because our soul has been redeemed by the Spirit of God, and we actually have the Spirit of God indwelling in us as a believer in Jesus Christ. That is something God has done. But yet, the Spirit of God dwells in a human person that has a heart that the Bible itself describes as 
desperately wicked, deceitful above all. Who can understand it? And so we've got within ourselves the spirit of the eternal, holy God living within us. And within us is a heart that is desperately wicked. Somebody's going to be talking to someone here. All right. It's not going to be all peaceful. There's going to be a constant conflict that takes place in the person's heart who's been redeemed by Jesus Christ who has been saved by the Holy Spirit. There is constant chatter. Okay? And when we stop talking to ourselves, it's probably because we have stopped listening to God and we've just followed our heart. Now, I've talked to you before, a few weeks ago, about how we, we're always taught from children to follow your heart. It seems like in every Disney show, it tells you just follow your heart and everything will be good. But evidently, those who wrote those uh, words did not read the book of Jeremiah when he says their heart is desperately wicked. And so here you have a psalmist who is in battle with himself and saying, Soul, praise the Lord. Listen to the words of truth. And that's one of the things why you come here at this point in time is that you want to hear the word of God. You want to hear what the truths are, who God is, and the promises of God, and apply it to yourself. Okay? That's why we need the Word of God in our life. I hope that you are um, challenging yourself. And, you know, this is the year of uh, the time of resolutions. We start thinking about how do we become better and what exercises we want to do. I, I just hope that part of your lifestyle is that you daily go to the Word of God to read who God is and His promises are that you will trust in Him. If that is not something you currently do, I would implore you, pray before God and just tell Him, God, I'm sorry that I have not considered Your Word. I have not followed You in my heart. And ask for His forgiveness and pray for the grace to be applied to your life that you will read the Word of God every day. Because the fact is, I'm going to lie to myself every day. I need to tell the truth to myself every day. And the truth comes from his word. And so here you have the psalmist doing this. And notice his commitment in verse 2. His commitment is not for a year. But as I have my being, as long as I live, I've got another reason to praise the Lord. And so that is our lifelong resolution. It is who we are. We are to praise him in all that we do. Now, he comes to verse 3 and verse 4, and he gives us a word of warning here. And it's kind of interesting. you got this note of praise, and then verse 3 and 4, this, this word of warning. Put not your trust in princes, and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that very day, his plans perish. I believe this is given to us as a, a, a word of contrast. It is so easy for us to fear mankind and to lift up some person or ourselves to lift us up and say, let us live for the pleasure of ourselves or for the pleasure of this person. He says here, even a prince, though they might have power, they might have some authority on this life, when it's all said and done, they have no ability to provide salvation for your soul and they will die and their plans with them it doesn't matter how much that person loved you it doesn't matter how capable that person is they are not able to deliver you i've shared with you before i, I love my wife 
And I would never intentionally hurt her. But do you think I've ever hurt her? (laughs) Yes. I'll answer that for you. Yes, I have. Why? Because I'm a human and I have sin, a part of who I am. And though I have the best of intentions, I have great goals, I am not able to even love her. To even love her. How much less am I able to provide salvation for her? And so we are never to exalt a human being to the level of saying my my hope is in this person. This is a good reminder come uh, political year, isn't it? Okay? I hope we've learned. It doesn't happen by a president. It doesn't happen by a senator or any new laws. Our hope is in the Lord. Now, I look at that and and I compare that with Psalm 147. I I see a, a similar thread here in verse 7 through 11. You've got the contrast of what God can do. Verse 7, sing the Lord with thanksgiving, make melody to our God on the lyre. What, is, what can he do? Well, he covers the heavens with clouds. What? That's, that's pretty impressive. He, he prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He, he is able to provide and be gracious to all people regardless of who they are. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. Now notice verse 10, 11. Because of who God is... He's not impressed with our ability. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Now, what I want to bring to your attention, a couple of things. One, in all of your resolutions to improve yourself, you need to understand God is not impressed. Okay, even if you do this good one, like I shared about reading the Word of God every day in your life and you're seeking Him in the reading of the Word, that doesn't make God say, man, Jared's reading the Bible every day. I am so impressed with Him. I'm going to give Him a good day. We think that way, don't we? We think, I'm having a bad day. I should have my quiet time today. <laughs> that's, that's not how God's working in this, Okay. It's, it's not an impression that we're making by the strength of our legs or the strength of the horse or, or another, way, another way of saying that, anything that we're able to achieve on our own. So our resolutions are good, but our hope is in our Lord. Now, uh, this, this is uh, uh, especially fitting to me. I, I was, uh, this past year, had a, what I would call a uniquely uh, divine and pointed conversation with with. Uh, someone and and in in this encounter, a question came to me. Where they said they asked me point blank, "How are you doing?" And it was just a moment of honesty where I shared with them. I, I just got to admit to you, I have struggled spiritually in my life this year. It's been a challenge. It's been hard. There's been failures. There's been good things, but. My mind's often on the failures. And then in this conversation, you kind of have a, a moment when you learn something by talking or writing. I shared, but, but this year, I've learned more about how God loves me than I have ever in my life. And when I said that, I just had this moment of, well, if I learned that, what else mattered? If I learn more about God's love for me 
then everything else falls on that. Because if God, if I know of God's love and I am captured more by his love with me, then my love just grows as I learn of his love for me, grows back to him. Notice what it says here, verse 11, Psalm 147. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love, his loyal love, his faithful mercy. My prayer for you is that that would happen in your life. I pray that as a church, we will learn more of God's love for us. Now, to be honest, that has dominated much of what I've preached in this past year. Um, This is, uh, come January, I think, 3rd, was when I first uh, started at Green Pines in 2005. 2009 being the very first Sunday. That was uh, seven years ago. Seven years ago, thank you. And I, I just, seven is kind of a significant number in the Bible. I was kind of looking through, and, um, you know, of course, I was seven days of creation God created uh, in that time period. Uh, Jacob worked work for Rachel seven years, was cheated, and worked seven more years. We find that uh, Joseph, God given a, a dream to Joseph where there's seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. Pentecost uh, was a, a holy feast where it celebrated seven days. They had what was called the Sabbath year that after uh, seven years they would uh, let the land rest. They would uh, retire any debts. They would read the law corporately together. And then after seven sevens, in other words, seven series of seven years, uh, in the 49 years, and that 50 year, they would have the, the year of Jubilee where the land would go back to the original owners. So the seven sevens. Um, it took them seven years to build the temple in Solomon. And you just see these, these, uh, these significant numbers, seven. And, and I just was looking back and I thought, you know, here I am. I've been here seven years. I was at my last church seven years. And so you just need to know something um, couple things. One, um, Green Pines, we're doing something you and I have never done before. I've never, never pastored any further than seven years. And Green Pines, as I've looked at your history, you've never had a pastor more than six years. So this all past year was all new. Okay. Um, and I, all I'm just saying is, we're learning. We're learning together how to do this. And I've seen churches do two, two courses here. One is they get fed up, and they go, or the pastor goes. And the other course is where they say, let's listen together. Let's listen together. Pastor, will you listen? Church, will you listen? And how can we learn and grow? Now, churches go probably the former more than the latter. It's the easier way, honestly, sometimes, though there's a lot of pain. But the latter one, I believe, is is a path of love and a path of growth. And as I look at this, 
I understand that everything I bring to the church and everything you bring to the church is just strength of legs, strength of horses, and it's just that. God's not impressed with these things. But he is looking for those who will fear the Lord, who will hope in his steadfast love, understanding that when a pastor dies, they die, and the plans die with them. Don't trust in pastors. Don't trust in staff. Don't trust in princes. Trust in the Lord. And that's what we do. That's what we do. You need to know that I am here. I'm here because God called me here. I wasn't looking to come here. That being said, I'm not looking to leave. Okay? I'm not out there wondering, am I going somewhere else? I am here as God has called me here. And I am under the same certainty of that as I was seven years ago when I came here. There's nothing out there that says, okay, let me go elsewhere. Let me look elsewhere. I am here under God's direction. The church affirmed that seven years ago. I pray that you still do affirm that. But I'm not looking to go anywhere, okay? I just feel like I need to tell you that. But that being said, that's not any kind of hope. (laughs) All right? That's not any kind of hope. That's just following God. Our hope comes from the steadfast love of the Lord. Because honestly, I will go someday. And you will too. I don't know how I'll go. Maybe we'll all go together, caught up in the air to meet the Lord there. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Maybe I'll die. Maybe you'll die. Maybe the Lord calls you or me elsewhere. But until that time comes, we stay true to what God has told us last to do. And he hasn't told me anything else. So I just want to share that as we read together in Psalm 146. There's a lot of things to look forward to. Verse 5 It talks about the character of God. Verse 5, all the way through, verse 10. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. Blessed is the beatitude. That person is blessed when, I, when we hope in the Lord and the faithfulness of God and the help of our God. Now, that being said, I, let me just share a, a couple thoughts here. You have allowed me this past year to teach the teachers. On, Sunday, on uh, the Sunday school teachers, small group teachers, I've been doing that on Wednesday night. Because we've been operating where the small groups is the discipleship tool of our church. And I wanted to direct that. But we also shared... That prayer is the primary ministry tool of our church. And I would say it's not just the ministry tool. It is the lifeline of any church. Because 
life, the prayer is a visible expression, an outward expression of our help in God, of our dependence on God. If we say that we trust in God, but we don't pray, then we are deceiving ourselves. So with that thought of mind, with, with the thought of verse 5 and 6 of mind, that is, the help is of God, and He is more than able to help us as a church. We want to begin corporate prayer to put more emphasis on corporate prayer on Wednesday evenings. We're asking beginning January 18th that we have from 6 to 6.30 where everybody comes together, unless you've got active responsibility, especially with our children areas, where we come together and we pray for God's working in our church. This is not just personal prayer, but this is prayer for God to move in and among us, through us, to his glory. Then they will continue on in prayer. The teachers will go and do their own thing. I'll be there with with everyone from 6 to 6.30 where we're all together. And I'm just going to ask that you consider making that a priority. Because I read in the Bible, it seems to be a priority. For us personally, I would challenge you to pray, to make that part of your daily routine and an expression of your trust in the Lord but then together as a church body, that we pray together in a corporate way on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 6.30, that it'll be a time of worship together through prayer. There are a lot of things that we can thank God for. But notice, as we keep our reading, there's many things to expect from God. We read in verse 7, He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. One of the common denominators in this listing of what God can do and does do is that these are helpless ones. These are folks that the society at large says we can overlook them because they can't defend themselves. We can ignore them because who's going to stand up for them? And, and so you've got the oppressed, you've got the hungry, you've got the prisoner, the blind, those who are bowed down, the sojourners, those who are traveling, not uh, uh, visiting and strangers, uh, the widow and the fatherless. But notice God's hand of provision of each one of these. In fact, when we look at the Lord sets the prisoner free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. This is the uh, same passage, similar passage we see in Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, which Jesus quotes in Luke chapter 4 when he's teaching in a synagogue and a gathering something similar to this. And he says, the Lord has set me for this task to open the eyes of blind, to set the prisoners free. Now, as much as we're aware, we don't know of a time when Jesus actually got a prisoner out of jail, in a physical jail. But we do know that spiritually, he set us free from the jail of sin and the consequence of death. So we're not just talking about physical. We're talking about spiritual work that Jesus is doing. He did while he was here, but through his spirit, he still does today, just as the psalmist wrote and looked and around him and saw God moving in his day to help those who are hurting. Now, uh, it was a, a, a couple years ago, two, three years ago, that we set out the direction to love out loud. And this has been something that has galvanized us in, in different directions. Uh, different things have been birthed through this. 
Uh, but it's basically look at our community. Look at it as if we're on a mission trip here, and we are. And how would we approach this neighborhood? Food pantry was, was birthed out of some of this. Uh, the ESL was birthed out of this. And, and ultimately, Iglesia Baptista, uh, which we praise God for. That I think Jose told me they had about 32 there on a Sunday morning uh, prior to Christmas. And so we just praise God for the working that's going on there. I think they had 70-some and, and a mill uh, they had there later on. And so we're going to pray for God to continue to work. But there's several things that have been birthed out of this. And we want to continue this focus of loving out loud to show those who are hurting in our community and to demonstrate to them, proclaim to them the gospel through acts of mercy and work for them. But one of the areas that I've just sensed that we've lacked in is the actually sharing the gospel. (laughs) Telling someone how Jesus came and brings them forgiveness of sin. And that they can become a child of God if they will trust in him as their saving Lord. And so this year, we'd like to just bring out the theme of broadcast love out loud. This is something where we verbally put it out there. Personally, we do this. Church-wide, we do this. And there are several events that we've lined up to help us in this. I'm going to do a series of of, uh, messages from the Word of God that talk about broadcasting the gospel, broadcasting love out loud. And maybe some of the reasons why we don't do it. But then we're going to try to provide some ways to help you. When we look in February, we're going to have a a, a speaker coming in. Uh, This is February 12th. Don McChutchinson's coming in. He uh, works with our state convention and the evangelism department. He's going to be with us Sunday morning and again for an extended time Sunday evening to teach us how to transition in our conversations to the gospel. That's been one of the number one reasons I hear when folks talk about why they don't share, they don't know how to bring up the gospel in a conversation. So that's going to be his focus. And so from now and certainly into that time and into February, we're going to be bringing out this theme. Come January 22nd, we've got the uh, Courageous movie there for our Baptist men, uh, Baptist Men's Day. The intent of the Courageous movie is for you to find an easy way to present the gospel to someone. You're just inviting them to come to watch a movie. We're going to provide some tickets for you to, to give to folks, to hand out. The gospel will be shared. If you'll just bring them there. We will make sure they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We're just asking you to invite folks to a movie. All right? But we want you to start thinking about people to pray for, that we can pray for in a corporate way who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we want to see them uh, hear the Word of God, hear the gospel, and we'll pray for God's working in their lives. We've got coming up in March, uh, we've got a, a theme of some of the, what we call the faith of our fathers, where I'm actually bringing in my dad. He's here today. Uh, it's provided opportunity for uh, him to come on Sunday, and that's kind of a unique opportunity. He, you think it's hard to get your relatives to come to church? I have a hard time getting my dad to come here. Now, he's in church all the time, but he'll be with us come March, uh, verse, I think, believe March uh, 25 through 28. You see that in the calendar. We want you to put that uh, on your calendar and, and, and set that apart. Of course, we'll have Easter coming up in April. We want, that's going to be an opportunity for us to invite folks, to pray for them. Uh, we've got come um, May, we've got the Spring Fling. That's uh, a date's been set for us where we will focus on Hodred Elementary and, and do work toward that end. 
but we've also got the Cinco de Mayo. Now, you and I, we, we may not make a big deal about that, but Iglesia Baptista is, and they're looking at how to uh, make an outreach during that time. This may be something that we can help them in. Now, uh, come June, we've got some uh, activities like the Dearborn trip, uh, working with Muslims in the Dearborn area, uh, presenting the gospel to them in a way that, uh, that uh, acceptable so that they can hear it, being a relationship. Uh, encounters there in that time at Dearborn. We'll have Vacation Bible School coming up in that, that month. Uh, we'll come July. This is, of course, summertime. We've got youth camp that'll be there. Uh, we'll have some uh, mission opportunities. We'll be letting you know of some of these mission opportunities that are coming up. I want you to know about October. Jerry White's going to be coming in. Uh, Jerry White, this will be October 21st to 24th. This is a man that's been a significant influence in uh, uh, Mike Griffin's life, uh, that's been a, as a spiritual father to him in a lot of ways. And so we want you to uh, be uh, encountered with this man as well, as he's going to be sharing with us, especially in themes of intimacy with God. Uh, so there's a lot of things to look forward to coming up this year. But, you know, when it's all said and done, God's not impressed with these things, is he? He's not impressed with the, the strength of a man's legs or the horse. He's impressed with those who fear him, who hope in his steadfast love. And all these things don't matter if we're not helping people trust in God. So, as so we keep on reading here. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. You may be sitting here thinking, you know, what's the church all about anyway? Listen, here's what it's about. It is about the idea that we are born in sin and we're blind to it. We're not even aware how we're breaking God's laws. You know, this, this past year we, we did the study in Hebrews. We did a, a study in Galatians. We learned in, in Hebrews how we are to be striving to be in Christ, who is a better way. And then as we looked in Galatians, we learned about the gospel of grace and all that God has provided for us in salvation through the grace of God. And we looked at the Ten Commandments and saw how the law fit in with the Ten Commandments. And yet God, though we're saved by grace, calls us to a certain purpose, to be Christ-like. And it's given to us in the Ten Commandments of what that looks like. What's the point of knowing all that if we don't believe it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ came for you? To die for your sins. And not just to die for your sins, but to save you from your sins. It's, it's just so wrong to think, I'm going to take the, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to take all these things and I'm going to live any old way I want to. That's making Jesus Christ dying for your lifestyle. Jesus Christ did not die for that type of lifestyle. He died for you to be saved from sin. To be delivered from sin. Not just the penalty of sin, but the power of sin in our life. And we long and we look forward to the day that he returns to be removed from the very presence of sin in our life. That's our hope. He is opening the eyes of the blind. Church, you've heard a lot about the gospel this past year. We need to be sharing the gospel with people around us broadcasting the love that God's given to us out loud, proclaiming our love to the Lord out loud and love to others out loud. Then as we keep on reading, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. Notice as we keep on reading, as we go to Psalm 147, verse 3, we see something similar here with what we just read, what God has done. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. 
I love this. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Have you all seen the shows that talk about the number of stars? How big the universe is and just blows you away? Why is it so big? To show the greatness of our God. He's numbered them. He set the course for how many there are. We can't even number them. God has. Great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble and casts the wicked to the ground. Now, but notice verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up the wounds. What's the point of meeting together as a church body? One of the things is to encourage one another as well as to be encouraged by another. I want you to take some time right now. I want you to look around. And here's what you're looking for as you look around. Go ahead and look around. I know you want to. Go look and see what... Look for people who, when you look back in this past year or two years, that you said, God has done a work in their life this past year. Do you find anybody like that? Look what, has, look what God has done in them. Maybe it was to be brokenhearted, and you've seen God help them, have a healing in their life. Maybe it was to be bowed down in some way, and God has been lifting them up in, in some way. Maybe it's, they've been blind, they've been hungry, they've been hurting, they've been in need, but you've seen God provide for them. Look around. Do you see, can you put a name and a face with some of this in, in Psalm 146 and Psalm 147? Do you know that part of the church is to be able to do that? When you see these truths of what God has done and can do, that you can think of a specific name and a person and say, God, you are true in your word because I've seen you do it in their life. Now, what's the advantage of that? Because when you're brokenhearted, when you're wounded, when you're bowed down, you need the encouragement of God's grace. And some of God's grace is going to give, be given to you through His people, His body. It's not enough just to attend and say, I'm going to listen to the preaching and singing every once in a while. Church is relationship. If you're not in the relationship of church, you're not in the church. You're just kind of watching it happen. You're watching those who gather together. I would just encourage you. Don't just attend. Be a part. Join in the work that God has called us to do. And don't hold back. Don't hold back. If you believe in what God has called this church to do, then don't hold back. Encouragement awaits there when you look for it. When you look for it. And I'm going to assure you there's going to be lessons that will be there too that won't be so easy. They'll be hard. But here is God bringing his people together. And then verse 10. 10, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. And listen, our job is to tell the generations to make sure they know of the Lord and his power, his greatness, that they too will praise him. It's our job to do that, to tell the generations and to tell our children and the preschool ministries and the children's ministries to make sure they know of God. The children that have yet to breathe air, we're not to be killing them off, but we are to be sharing with them the word of God, how God is great. One of the uh, objectives this next few months is to visit all our families in the preschool, or the weekday preschool. 
many of them do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it is a crime if they come here every day to drop their children off and the children learn more about Jesus than they themselves know. And I'm just going to share with you, if, if this is the end of our time and we're before God, that's something we're going to have to confess. That we've not ourselves to making sure they hear the word of God. So that's going to be one of our goals. It's going to be given to us through our small groups. Your Sunday school class will be given assignments where they'll be visiting those who are part of our weekday preschool. Why? Because the Lord reigns forever. To all generations. Praise the Lord. You know, there's a, a testimony of a man by the name of John Janeway who on his deathbed cries out. And this is what he states. It's, it's written down for us. Come, help me with praises. Let everything that hath being help me to praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Which, by the way, is praise the Lord. You ever wonder what hallelujah means? There it is. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise is now my life work. You ever ask yourself when someone is, we say, well, they don't have a good quality of life. You hear that stated. What does that mean anyway? Can they still praise God? Can they still pray? I've shared with many folks who they're looking at what they used to do and not able to do anymore, and I share with them, you need to understand, if you can pray, you can praise God, you can do more than a 20-year-old out there living their life not trusting God. Here this man is on the deathbed saying, Praise is now my life work, and I shall be engaged in this week work now and forever. Bring the Bible. Turn to David's Psalms, and let us sing a psalm of praise. Come, let us lift up our voices in the praises of the Most High. I will sing with you as long as my breath doth last, and when I have none, I shall do it better. What I'm presenting to you is praise to the Lord. Let's do it as a church body. Let's make it our life goal. Let's make it our corporate goal. Personally, individually, when you come Sunday morning, bring the praises of the Lord with you. And as you go, take the praises of God with you. Let us praise the Lord together, and we will just become like heaven is, and we'll fulfill the prayer of Jesus. Let the Spirit of God be in our hearts. Yield to the Spirit of God. Fight the fight. With your own heart. And say to yourself. Soul praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he has done great things. And he will do great things. And I have just scratched the surface. Of who God is. Let's pray.